Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the city of Lagos and beyond renewed by the gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. The reading will be taken from Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. At the end of this reading, I would say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Can we focus our attention on Jesus? going to ask us to bow down our heads as we pray. I don't know what your expectation is this morning. I don't know why you came. I don't know how you came. I don't know whether you came grudgingly or someone invited you or you came longingly but however you came this morning Jesus is more than willing to have an encounter with you he tells us that no one that comes to him will he in any wise cast out he's the good shepherd he's the one who gives his life for the sheep he's the one who goes after the one that is lost he's the one that goes after the one that is wandering he's the one that goes after the sheep that is broken And every time we gather together like this, that we hear his word, it's an encounter for us to meet with Christ, the good shepherd, Christ, the one who binds us together, Christ, the one who heals us. So I'm just asking that you lift your gaze to him this morning and ask him to give you a tangible encounter with him. The Bible tells us that he is the one who is the well that never runs dry. He is the one that quenches the thirst of our hearts. He's the one that satisfies our longings. He's the one that fulfills our needs. He's the one that fulfills our desires. And that same Christ is available to you this morning. You can draw from him. He's inextinguishable. Lord, we've come to draw from you this morning. We've come to draw from you this morning. If you know this song, let's just sing it together. We've come to draw. We've come to draw. Draw. 
Let that be the cry of your heart. Draw from you again. Yes, we place a demand upon you this morning, Lord. Heal our hearts. Draw from you again. Lord, we've come to draw. We are parched. We are thirsty. Life leaves us thirsty. Life leaves us parched. Lord, if you were up to this world, Lord, its water is like toilet water, oh God, Lord, it doesn't quench our thirst, and it poisons as well. But Lord, you are the fountain of living waters. You are the one who gives us water that not only quenches our thirst, but also nourishes our souls. So quench our thirst this morning. Fulfill our longings, oh God, but nourish our souls as well. Give us something for the week. Give us something for the month. Give us something for the year. And let us, Lord, at the end of this, be revived, be energized, be invigorated, Lord, to become all that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, friends. Good morning, daddies and mommies, uncles and aunties, brothers and sisters. It's good to be with you all this morning. I mean that genuinely. Particularly if Pastor Femi welcomed those who are worshiping with us for the first time. But if this is your first time as well, we are more than happy to have you. My name is Emmanuel. And um, yeah, I would love to chat with you afterwards. If you want to find out anything about plugging to City Church and any more questions about your Christian life. If I can't answer, Pastor Femi is here. He will answer them. But we're happy to have you this morning. And so like Pastor Femi mentioned, we are beginning a new series in Mark or Maybe for those of us who were around last year, I should say we are continuing a new series in Mark. If you like, you can think of it as a um, series, like a series film, like 24. Who knows what Who knows what 24 is? Prison Break, right? All of us showing our ages now, right? Um, so basically, we looked at season one last year, which was from Mark 1 to chapter 4, verse 34. And then this year, we'll be looking at Mark 4, 35 to a little bit of chapter 8, and then we'll continue next year and onwards. The hope is that as we spend more time with Mark, we'll be able to spend more time with Jesus as well. That's what we're really trusting God to do for each and every one of us. As I was thinking about this series and thinking, you know, about today's sermon in particular, it made me think about parenting. One of the joys of parenting is that you get to watch your kids as they grow. Um, Things that you couldn't do with them before, now you can do with them. Things that you had to be present for them to do, you no longer have to be, okay, well, depending. You no longer have to be as present, right? Don't judge my parenting. You no longer have to be as present with them. Some of you are thinking like, ah, Emmanuel is going to the gas cooker. No, not like that, not like that. But I have a six-year-old son who just turned six a couple of days ago, a little over a week ago. And one of the things he does now is he loves to play, we've always loved to play game, but uh, play games together, but there's a particular form that the games have now taken. 
So he comes back from school with these riddles or games that he has for me. I say, we'll do something like this. What's your name, daddy? My name is Emmanuel. What is this? Nose. And then he will open his hands and say, what is here? And I'll say nothing. And then we say, Emmanuel knows nothing. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to deck you, this guy. <laughs> you don't know anything, right? You are the one that doesn't know anything. But there's one game in particular that we've always loved to play. And um, initially, he didn't know how to play. But now he can sort of solve it on his own. And he's playing jigsaw puzzles. And so initially, just having a lot of pieces on the floor, he'd be like, how do I make sense of this? And he's just stacking them in any other. And one of the things I taught him as a good dad was the way you fix a jigsaw puzzle is by getting the corner pieces in place. When you get the corner pieces in place, you're able to make sense of the whole as well. In other words, it is by fixing the big picture that you are able to make sense of the parts. And in many ways, you can think of Mark as a big jigsaw puzzle, probably like a thousand pieces or more, maybe two thousand pieces or no. I don't know how many pieces, if you wanted to count, there will be. And so we can get lost. Like, what does this part have to do with what's going on here? What's happening here? And we can really miss the big picture. But Mark gives us the corner pieces of his gospel. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he begins with these words. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as the story begins progressing, to ensure that we don't miss out on that, at the end of the book, in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised high. And there's somebody who is standing by his side. Of all people, he's a Roman centurion, somebody who is an outsider who shouldn't ordinarily be able to understand who Jesus is. That man gives us again Mark's corner piece. He says, surely this man was the son of God. In other words, Mark is saying that the way you can make sense of everything that goes on in the middle that maybe doesn't seem connected is actually by identifying Jesus as the son of God. And you see, friends, if we are going to make sense not just of the gospel of Mark as we study together, but of our lives entirely, it is in this, in knowing Jesus for who he truly is. Because like we said last year, and as we're going to see as we continue in this sermon series, is that you can be so close to Jesus and you can actually miss out on who Jesus is. We're studying Mark chapter 4 to 8, and one of the things that Mark does very beautifully here is that most of the miraculous activity in the book of Mark is concentrated in this passage, in these passages that we'll study together. And the tragedy is that those who were closest to Jesus in this section of Mark actually miss out on who he is. I pray that that won't be the case for us this morning. I pray that we won't miss the trees for the forest. I pray that God will help us to not just have the corner pieces in place, but to be able to identify and understand Jesus for who he is in Jesus' name. So that's what we're going to be doing together, understanding the Son of God. And so I've titled today's sermon, the very first one um, in this season, I've titled it, um, Going Over with Jesus. Going Over with Jesus. Because what we're going to see is that Jesus wants us to go over to the other side with him so that he can reveal himself to us in a new light. Jesus wants us to go over to the other side with him so that he can reveal himself to us in a new light. Father, we ask that you open our eyes, help us to understand in Jesus' name. And so the first thing we see here is the command to go over, the command to go over. And so some of you may not remember, 
But the beginning of Mark chapter 4, I think it was Pastor Femi and Toki that preached from that section last year. What we saw was that Jesus started a new phase of ministry. He begins in Mark chapter 4 verse 1, talking to people on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And so he, he's talking there, but he's not just talking, he's actually having results. What we see as we read Mark chapter 4 is that Jesus is dropping Rema upon Rema. He's... I was going to say party after party, but it doesn't connect. No. It's Rema after Rema. Yeah, something like that. Rema after Rema. Like there's just parables upon parables upon parables upon parables. Just is dropping it. He's, he's really going for it. And it is not just that they have a fantastic Q&A session. After one of his talks, his disciples come to him. You know, the very select few, like those of you who wait for Q&A. This afternoon, a Rema full tech few who comes to Jesus. And they ask Jesus, they engage with Jesus. And so Jesus is having a Rema full time. But it's not just, you get it, you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, forget about it. <laughs> Jesus is having a Rema full time, but it's not just that, that he's having success in, in his personal communication, but there's also results in that people are responding. And so three times in this chapter of Mark, Mark tells us that a very large crowd was listening to Jesus. Two times in chapter one, and once in chapter five, he says that there was a very large crowd listening to Jesus. In other words, Jesus was seeing success. And it is in the context of all of this that Jesus says in verse 35, let us go to the other side. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because if I was Jesus and I was a church planter, I'd have thought, man, I have my core group already. I have the people that are already bought into the vision. We are just how many weeks away from launching Riverside Fellowship? And I think I'll call maybe a mission statement or vision statement something like to extend the knowledge of God from sea to sea. Because we are the Sea of Galilee, you get. And that's where you see Jesus for who you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus had the group of people that were there to make the ministry of success. And Jesus is saying, let us go to the other side. Why? I think it is because there is an implicit reason, but there's also an explicit reason. The explicit reason is there in the passage. Jesus wants to go over to the other side to reach out to other people. Jesus wants to take this same gospel that he is preaching to people here in this locale where he is. He wants to take it to other people. He wants other people to hear that same gospel as well. And so Jesus is driven by missional urgency. But the implicit reason is you may need to pay more attention to the text to see it is that Jesus is exhausted. Jesus is tired. We know that because once Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples, what happens? He sleeps up. I don't know how many of you have had to do like a talking gig back to back on the same day. You know, if you're like HR and you're welcoming um, new recruits into your organization and you welcomed, you know, number one group, number two, number three. Or like At this point, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Let's just get through with it. Jesus is exhausted. And maybe some of you don't think much of that, but Actually, that is a paradox. How is it that the one who is the son of God, who is divine, who does not sleep or slumber, is now the one who is tired and in need of rest? I like the way one of the early church fathers, Gregory of Nazianzus, says, he says, the mystery of the God-man is seen in that he who is the rest of the weary is now in need of rest. This is what we celebrated at Christmas. And can I just say, friends, like, the, almost the entirety of our faith rests on this. 
that Jesus is not just God far away from us. Jesus is God close to us. And so Jesus is in need of rest. And here's what I can say if you look at those two, th two things together. It is that Jesus knew his personal limitations. And he embraced it for the sake of becoming and fulfilling all the ministry that God has called him to be. Jesus knew the implicit reason why he needed to go to the other side. But he also knew the explicit reason. Or we could say in modern times, he knew the personal reasons that he needed to go to the other side. And the missionary reasons that he needed to go to that side. Or as we have said it in City Church this year, Jesus knew that to live a fruitful life, he needed to live it inside out. So let's talk about the out part first. The out part. Again, remember, like I've said, Jesus has encountered considerable success. Jesus has done a lot of things. And, but Jesus recognizes that in spite of all that he has seen in the present time, there is still more that God can do. There are still many more people who need to hear the gospel. There are still many more people who need to experience the healing ministry of Jesus. And can I just say to some of you who are here as well, I don't know how 2023 ended for you. Maybe it ended on a high. Maybe your career reached a new dimension. Maybe people that you are waiting for in the industry to hear about you started hearing about you. And things look like they're really looking up. Can I tell you, friends, there is still more that God can do for you. There is still a lot more that God can do for you. There is still more that God can do in your business. There is still more that God can do in your family. There is still more that God can do around you. There is more that God can do for you. And some of you, God will do that for you this year in the name of Jesus Christ. But you see, it's not just that God wants to do more for you. God wants to do more through you. And that's what we see happening with Jesus here. Jesus is saying, God, I want to be your vessel more and more. And friends, when we're talking about inside-out life in City Church, it is recognizing this, that God wants to do more, not just for you, but also through you. There are people around you. There's a world going to hell around you that God wants you to respond to. As someone said, he said, an atheist, this is actually an atheist who said, he said, how wicked do you have to be if you believe the good news to not actually talk about it? If you believe that Jesus is the only one who can save, Jesus is the only one who can rescue people, and there are lots of people around us going to hell, rushing, speeding on the highway to, to an eternity apart from God, how wicked do you have to be to not talk about that to them? And so let me remind us of four groups that Pastor Femi spoke about last week. He talked about four L's. Can we remember? Four groups of people. Can we remember? Let's do this together. The lost, the least, the laggards, fantastic. Clap for yourselves. You guys are the best. You're the best. You're a sharp church. You're a sharp church. See, clap for yourself now. You think, do you actually think I was going to, there was something snide coming after that? No, there wasn't. There wasn't. But the lost, the least, the laggard, the lowly. If you are like, eh, what is that? <laughs> Go back to last week's sermon. Go and listen to it. It's really good for your soul. I'm not going to talk about that much, but the truth is that you can describe the categories of people that we want us to, as a church to reach out to this year in those four categories. The lost people who don't know Jesus, the least people in our society who are in need of our acts of justice and mercy, the laggards, people in their relationship with Christ who are lagging behind, literally, and the lonely people who are on, this, on the margins, are, who are hanging on for life. And so here's what we can do. We can... Consider how God can lead us to pray for one person in each of those categories. Pray for one person in each of those categories. What would it look like if you adopted one person in each of those categories and prayed for them regularly, maybe weekly, maybe daily, throughout the course of the year? What could God do through your prayers for that person? 
But you see, sometimes, and I really want us to pray for them and think about that, but sometimes we use prayer as a, as a way of keeping gap. You know the way we pray about Nigeria, but you're like, you're working on your Canada plans. I'm not, I'm not subbing anybody, okay? But I'm just saying, sometimes we use prayer as a way of keeping gap. So here's one more thing we can do. We can adopt somebody from each of these categories. What do I mean? So take the least, for, for example, people in a society who are economically disadvantaged. What would it look like if we don't just complain about the, program, the problem of beggars in Lagos, the problem of street urchins, but you actually adopted a beggar and you supported them? Yeah, I know, it's annoying when they spray, you know, that mixture of dirty water and detergent on your windscreen. Like, God, I just washed this thing today. You people get out. It's annoying, right? But what if at every point in time, you don't just shout and drive them away, but you actually said, oh, here's 200 naira, here's 500 naira for you. Buy lunch with it. And some of you may be saying, ah, the problem in manner is that I don't have cash. Well, well, well. Some of them actually have account numbers. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. Like, I realized this like two weeks ago during Christmas. So I didn't have cash. So there's this guy that my wife and I usually give money to. And so I, I told you, I've been doing like this. I've been doing like this for like three or four days. You know, it was Christmas. God really wanted to do Christmas. And so eventually he saw me one day. I just went I said, I'm sorry, I don't have cash. So I thought, hmm, how can I get this guy off my tail? So I say, I mean, you get the account number. The guy was like, yes. And he, <laughs> and he gave me his account number right there and there. And some of you may be hearing that and say, Emmanuel, you are enabling them. Well, like someone said, I like my way of doing it as opposed to your way of not doing it. And so maybe think about, if you don't like that example, maybe think about a particular way that you can support them. If your conscience feels like I'll be enabling them. Do you see? Adopt somebody in that category. Or maybe there's a place where you regularly shop, uh, like maybe Ebana or Spa or something. What would it look like if there was one particular person we're always checking out with? You keep going to the person again and again and again, and now you know their name, and now you've been able to find out where they live, and now you've been able to find out a little bit of their story. And maybe somehow along the line, God opens up an opportunity for you to be able to share the gospel with that person, or maybe even help them on their journey to becoming a better human being. Adopt somebody in one or at least two of those categories. Amen. But let's talk about the inside part, or the inside part. And this part is actually really interesting because when Jesus says, and I think there's something huge for us here, when Jesus says, let us go over to the other side, Jesus is saying that in our kingdom, the way we advance is by retreating. It's counterintuitive, right? The way you move forward sometimes is by stepping back. The way that we make the most progress is by not trying to actively make progress sometimes. Jesus is saying that who you are at the core of your being is more valuable and more important to God than what you are able to produce. And in so doing, Jesus is cutting against the grain of our society in the, in the city of Lagos. And this just comes to my heart now. I just want to say particularly to some of you here, you do not, some of you don't need to work two jobs. You don't need to. But because that is what everybody around you is doing, that is what, you know, the, the, what it means to succeed. They're like, how many more gigs can I get? How many more things can I do? You're just piling it on and on and on. Jesus is saying that who you are at the core of your being is more important than what you're able to produce. But the problem is that some of us sometimes, we have an unbiblical way of thinking about who we are. So let's look at this chart. 
So sometimes this is how people in Lagos think about ourselves. So if you're a Christian, you probably say something like, my spiritual life is very, very important. So like, there's my spiritual life. I need to do devotion and all of those things. My emotional life too. I shouldn't be too angry and all of those things. My relational life and then my vocational life or my work life. You know, not, not very catchy. But my, my work life, you know, the, where I work, all of those kind of goals are really important. And so you can, in fact, you can multiply this, you know, to infinity, depending on what stage you are in your life. And so many of us think of our lives as these different parts of things that actually don't have a relationship with each other. And so they are all important. I need to do all of those things. But actually, this is not a very biblical way of thinking about who we are as a person. Let me show you what the, I think the Bible uses to describe us more as people. Something like this. I struggled. I'm an art student, but I was an art student, so I struggled. What is this thing again? What did they, what did they call this thing? Yeah. It was a Venn diagram. You are judging me. Lola is judging me. But yeah, I think this is how the Bible talks about it. If you've read the Bible, particularly the New Testament, he talks about the outer man or the outer self and the inner man or the inner self. Sorry. 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 I feel bad for making my boss stand up. I just feel bad. I feel judged. And so this is, this is how the Bible talks about it, that you, you are not a composition of, of unrelated parts. You're actually more an integrated whole. That even though there is what is happening on the outside, your outer body is, 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 is very important, and in some ways it's sort of different from who you are on the inside, but at the very core, you can't separate those two things. Those two things are intertwined. You are an integrated whole. And you see, what happens is that oftentimes the things that happen in the inside happen, you know, also affect what happens on the outside. And the things that happen on the outside also have an effect on what happens on the inside. Let's go to the next chart. And so here is where we often feel it, what I call the integrated middle. Or sometimes, let me give you an example. Um, we often see this through our feelings or through our emotions. And just a quick word for anyone here. Your emotions are more like a thermometer. They are actually meant to sort of show you where things are going wrong. They are not the ultimate test of truth. But they tell you where things are going wrong. And the idea is for us under God to be able to do so how we are living externally. So let me give you an example. Many of us would say as we're coming to the end of last year, many of us would say, I am tired. I'm exhausted. And so some of us would think that, oh, the way to solve that is by going on a holiday, right? Or doing whatever it is, something expensive that will just make you feel rejuvenated. But often that may not be the case. And so when you begin drilling deep, you begin to find that, oh, I am, I am tired, I'm exhausted in the integrated middle. I'm exhausted and it's affecting me internally and externally. I'm exhausted because... I am working over time. I am doing too many things. I am running around. I haven't created a nice schedule for myself. I haven't ordered my life rightly. So I'm exhausted because I'm doing too many things. But then as you also begin to reflect further, you drill deeper into that. What you realize is that I am exhausted because I am doing too many things on the outside. But the things I'm doing on the outside is actually as a result of anxiety inside. I am doing two, three, four, five jobs because I'm actually anxious about my security and my future. Do you see? As you think more, you realize that what is happening on the inside also affects you on the outside. Let me give another example. Some of us have talked a lot about trauma, and I think 
Gen Z have done a lot to help us as a society think more about that. And, and that's, not, that's, not, that's not a shock. That is just the truth. And so the integrated middle, what happens in the middle? We are feeling, oh, so you can't really trust people on the outside. But as you think more and more about that, you realize, oh, actually, it is because internally somebody wounded me a long time ago. Somebody did something, and now I'm in a space where I'm anxious around people. I'm in a space where my mental, um, um, my, my mental health is not as robust as it is. And so on the outside, it manifests as me withdrawing from people around. Do you see? You are an integrated whole. Your outer self is impacting your inner self, and your inner self is impacting your outer self. And Jesus says that it is in the place of retreating sometimes, in the place of paying careful attention to who you are on the inside, that you are able to become a better person on the outside, okay, away from people. But actually, there's a difference between aloneness and loneliness. You see, aloneness, as we see in the Bible, as we see Jesus doing here, is retreating from the public for the sake of your personal flourishing and corporate flourishing as well. So it's never just about you. Loneliness on the other side is retreating from the public for the sake or at least leading to personal disharmony and corporate fruitlessness. And so here's what that can look like for some of us this year as we pay attention to our inner life, pay attention to how we are being formed, pay attention to the things that are driving us. I think one thing that that may look like for some of us is being more involved in community in church. Sign up for a gospel community. Sign up for an affinity group. Be intentional about not just, oh, service has ended, I've run away. Be intentional about building relationships with people around you because ultimately, friends, that is how God grows us. I have a joke I always say in Q&A that the problem to every, the, the, the answer rather to every problem in the Christian life can really be boiled down to three things. Pray, read your Bible, fellowship with other brothers and sisters in community. That's how God grows us. That's how God heals us. But some of us, maybe what it's going to look like is us signing up to join a gym. If this is true, that we are an integrated whole, that our inner life is affected by our outer life, and our outer life affects our inner life, then maybe some of the pains that we're experiencing inside, maybe some of the difficulty we're having, some of the anxiety, some of the lack of sleep that we're experiencing, is actually because we haven't paid attention to our outer life, to our bodies. Or maybe some of us, what it will look like is actually going on a fast. Maybe some of us are thinking about Lent that's a good time to actually go on a fast. And just for everybody here, FYI, Lent starts on Valentine's Day this year. So I'm just saying, like, guys, for those of us who aren't going to get any gifts, right, or you're wondering how to save money, just that's at least an economic reason to, 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 to go on a Lent. But maybe we can seriously, maybe some of us need to step back from food. Maybe some of us need to step back from just some giving up some things and saying, hey, I want to pay attention to the state of my soul, to how my soul is before God. Jesus is saying that the way that we actually live a fruitful life is actually inside out. So there's a command to go to the other side. But then there's also the obstacle to going over with Jesus. And so as you read this passage, you see that, oh, there are at least two obstacles to going over with Jesus. The first one is in verse 36, and there's a human obstacle. And so we're told there that 
they have to leave the crowd to go with Jesus. They have to leave the crowd to go with Jesus. Again, remember, this is in the context of, this is not a crowd that is stoning Jesus. This is actually a crowd that is listening to Jesus. This is a crowd that is enjoying Jesus' presence, or at least from the passage, that's what it appears to be. This is a crowd that is very much involved with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, let's leave all of these people behind and go over to the other side. But it's not just that. They have to take Jesus just as he is. Just as he is. They don't say, oh, Jesus, you have to tone this down. Jesus, you have to, we don't like this part. We don't really like this thing. Take Jesus just as he is. And maybe it's for some of us, the obstacle to following Jesus is this human obstacle. Maybe there's a crowd around us. There's a crowd of people's opinions. There's a crowd of our friends. There's a crowd of our family members. There's a crowd that we have become engaged with. And sometimes the, 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 the requests that they make from us are legitimate. But you see, often the crowd will always stop you from going along with Jesus. And the question this passage is posting or posing to us, rather, is what is the crowd that is keeping you back from going along with Jesus? Maybe for some of us, it is literally some friends and companions that we keep. Like, we have been too long with these people. They are buddies and they are parties and, you know, they are best friends. And you're like, how can I stay away from these people? But you see, if you have to follow Jesus, you have to leave the crowd. Maybe for some of us, the crowd is not physical. The crowd might be digital. The crowd might be on our social media um, posts or profiles. The crowd might be on the things that we watch and consume. The crowd might be on Netflix. The crowd might be in different spaces. I like how a preacher of a previous generation, Leonard Ravenhill, says, he says, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. That sometimes the reason why we are consuming entertainment so much is because we haven't come in contact with the joy of Jesus that actually renews our hearts and makes us want to go to the other side with him. You won't say it. You come to church. You have a nice time. You raise your hand in worship, but you're just like, ah, Jesus, man. We are going to get married. Why can't we sleep together right now? Jesus, uh... Things are really tight for me. Why can't I just change the numbers on this thing in front of me? Jesus, I like you very much, but I don't like what you say about this. You see, if we're going to go to the other side with Jesus, we don't improve Jesus. We don't modify Jesus. We don't adjust Jesus. We don't suit Jesus to be in sync with the people in our culture so that they don't look at us a certain way. Actually, what we say is, Jesus, we are going with you. Jesus, we are walking with you. Jesus, we are advancing with you. And it may not actually be what I like the most, but Jesus, I'm going all in with you. We take Jesus just as he is. And the question is, where are you not taking Jesus just as he is? You see, Matthew chapter 10 verse 37 tells us that whoever will follow me must love me more than any other thing. He says, those who love their father, love their mother, love their sibling, love their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, the reason ultimately that we have human obstacles in following Jesus is that because there are things and people that we love more than Jesus. But that's not the only obstacle we see in this passage. There's also a situational obstacle. And you see that in verse 37. And so now they've gotten on the boat, maybe reluctantly, right? I, was, I made a joke in the first service that I think Matthew, the tax collector, 
wasn't married. He probably wasn't married because, you know, he was a tax collector. And people didn't like tax collectors. And so now that he's following Jesus as a single guy in this large crowd, he's probably just met a babe. And they're about to exchange phone numbers. And then Jesus says, let us go to the other side. And so he's probably angry with Jesus. He's angry. He's, he's sulking. And so all of them are in the boat, yeah? <laughs> Jesus, you asked us to go. Let's just go to the other side. And of all things, there's a storm. And I'm sure some of them are thinking in their minds, like, let's just try to stabilize this thing. Let's just try to do this first. Let's try to do that. And maybe they are wondering deep in their minds, but surely if we are following Jesus, there shouldn't be any storm. If we are following Jesus, there shouldn't be any disruption. If we are following Jesus, there shouldn't be any difficulty. But don't you see, friends, that the presence of difficulty is not the same thing as the absence of God. The presence of hardship is not the same thing as the distance of God. And maybe some of us are in those stages of our life where it feels like, God, there is so much happening there. Jesus, where are you, Jesus? Why haven't you fixed this storm? Why haven't you sorted this thing out? Why haven't you delivered me from this thing? Where are you, Jesus? The answer, friends, is that Jesus is in that boat with you. Jesus is in that boat with you. You see... The disciples were motivated by panic and fear, but what Jesus expected was for them to be motivated by faith. They were paying more attention to the storms around them, to the situation around them, rather than paying attention to Jesus in the boat. And you see, what situational obstacles do in keeping us from following Jesus is for us to fix our eyes on them. That is literally what fear is. Fear is us fixing our eyes on other things apart from Jesus. But Jesus says, no, don't fix your eyes on them. Don't judge my presence by what is going on outside. Judge my presence from me, who I am, and I am with you in the boat. I like the way Augustine of Hippo, another church father, says it very beautifully. Hear what he says. It's a bit long, but I think it's really powerful. He says, when you have to listen to abuse, that means that you are being buffeted by the wind. When your anger is roused, you are being tossed by the waves. So when the winds blow and the waves mount high, the boat is in danger. Your heart is in peril. Your heart is taking a battery. On hearing yourself insulted, you long to retaliate. Hello, Lagos people. But the joy of revenge brings with it another kind of misfortune, shipwreck. Why is this? It is because Christ is asleep in you. Christ is asleep in you. What do I mean? I mean you have forgotten his presence. Rouse him then. Remember him. Let him keep watch within you. Pay heed to him. A temptation arises, it is the wind, it disturbs you, it is the surging of the sea. This is the moment to awaken Christ and let him remind you of those words. Who can this be? Even the winds and the sea do what? Obey him. Friends, don't let the situational obstacles around your life. Some of them that started showing their sign and their hand in January 2024, like God, it's too early. Don't let them take your attention away from Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let him produce faith in your heart. Some of you are like, man, man, I don't know. I don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I have enough faith. Well, just come. Just come. Just come. Jesus is more happy to help you than you are willing to let him help you. How do I know that? 
It is because of what exactly happens in this passage. When they rouse Jesus up, Jesus doesn't say, stupid guys, and go back to sleep. Jesus doesn't say, I've been with you long enough, and he leaves them. What does Jesus do? He stands up, and he responds to their need. And I have good news for some of you here, for somebody here, anybody here this morning. Jesus is ready to respond to your need. Don't let any obstacle keep you back from going to him. Hear what Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 and 2 says. It says, this is what God says, the one who formed you, the one who made you. Do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be where? With you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because he's right there in the boat with you. This is the greatest indemnity ever that we have. That we don't just have an insurance policy of what would happen when God is trying to reconcile all things. We have God in the boat with us. He's right there with us. He's right there with us. The situation around you may look like he's going to consume you, but guess what? He's right there in the boat with you. Go to Jesus, friends. Run to Jesus. Don't let the storms keep you back. But lastly, this passage tells us the result of going over with Jesus. The result of going over with Jesus. And so now they're panicking and they're shouting like, Jesus, won't you, don't you care? Won't you save us? Won't you do something for us? And we see Jesus just stand up. After rebuking them, Jesus says, quiet, be still. That's weird. That's very weird. I get that, yes, we've, you know, in our Christian mind, church mind, you thought that, of course, Jesus always solves the problem, right? Like it happens at City Kids. When they ask a question, sometimes I've heard, children are like, Jesus is the answer. I don't quite know how, but Jesus is the answer. And maybe some of us in our church mind are like, of course, Jesus will solve the problem. But this is weird. Because you don't go to a storm and say, quiet, be still. You go to noisy children and say, quiet, be still. You go to a storm and you are trying to throw out water. That's what you are trying to do. But Jesus is coming from a place of rest. Having rested himself in God's will, having trusted himself in the hands of God, now he's able to respond wisely and rightly to the storm that he faces. Jesus says, quiet, be still. This is the equivalent of Jesus bringing out his remote control to a noisy car and saying, toot, toot. Why? Because he is the son of God. He is the one who calms storms. He is the one who speaks to the wind. He is the one because he made and fashioned all things. He has the right to tell them to obey his counsel and they will respond. And so good news for you friends this morning is that for those of us who are encountering disruptions, for those of us who are encountering storms, for those of us who are encountering difficulties, Jesus is the one who is here to disrupt your disruptions. Jesus is the one who can still and quiet the storms in your life. And as we go over to the other side with him, that is precisely where we experience his miraculous hand. Some of us are trusting God to show up for us, but the truth is that it is only in the going with Jesus that you see him show up for you. But that's not the only fantastic thing that happens there. We see in verse 41 that even though these guys have been walking with Jesus for such a long time, even though they've been, they've been with Jesus, they've encountered a new phase of ministry. They've seen things happen. They've seen great stuff happen. They've seen Jesus do some things. Now they see him in a new light. And verse 41, he says, who is this? Who is this? It is almost as though I don't know this person. Who is this? And friends, can I tell you that Jesus is willing to reveal himself to you in a whole new light. 
Jesus is willing to say, not just what you have encountered in 2023 or in 2022, or for, or for however long you have been a Christian, I can reveal myself to you in a new light. I am the Son of God. I'm the one who calms storms. I'm the one who steals storms. I'm the one who sets things in their place, and I'm ready to reveal myself to you. We encounter Jesus in a whole new light as we step to the other side with him. Friends, let us go over to Jesus on the other side. Let us go with Jesus in the boat. Sometimes not knowing where the boat will land. Not sometimes not know what's going to happen as we journey along. But we're saying, Jesus, if you are in the boat with me, it trumps everything else. Some of you might know this song that we sang in um, kids' Sunday school when I was growing up. It says, with Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. With Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm while I'm sailing home. With Jesus in your boat, you can smile at the storm. With Jesus in your boat, you can smile at the storm. With Jesus in your boat, you can smile at the storm while you are sailing through 2024. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City